Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. It's time for the Davis Cup by BNP Paribas final. Croatia are in Lille to play against France in what is effectively the final Davis Cup final of its type, a traditional format. It will be no more after this year. I am David Law, uh, alongside Catherine Whittaker. Well, I say alongside. We're not in exactly the same place, but we're as good as. Aren't we, Catherine? How are you doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? Excellent. Very well. And we have somebody who is inside, I believe, the stadium in Lille right now. Grad Matt. Hello, Grad. Matt. Hello, yes. (laughs) Hello, Grad. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Grad. (laughs) Hello, I'll do that bit again. Um, Uh, I'll do that bit again. So, uh, how are we doing, Matt? I'm very well, thank you. I am currently sitting in the Stade Pierre Morois, watching... Borna Kshoric and Marin Cilic go through their preparations, having quite an intense practice set in front of me at the moment. Oh, right. Who's winning? Um, well, I don't know, because I'm talking to you, but uh, I would I would actually maybe say Kshoric has been winning more points. Right. Okay, fine. Well, we've got loads to get through today because uh, Matt has been at the press conferences, he's been at the draw, we've got all that to talk about ahead of the Davis Cup final, which begins on Friday tomorrow. We've also got an an exclusive interview with David Haggerty of the ITF, the, the top man at the ITF, who... Matt has been speaking to about the future, about next year, about what happens when the traditional Davis Cup format is no more and when they start having a, a Davis Cup finals with, with, what is it, 18 nations, Matt? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 18 nations, neutral venue and some and two of those nations being wild cards as well. Yeah, Right. So that'll be this time next year that that's all happening. Um, Matt has got into it with, uh, with David Haggerty talking about the ATP Cup announcement last week and what that means and the vision. I, I find it absolutely fascinating. I've already heard this interview and, and, and David Haggerty does give a, some insight into the meetings that went on last week uh, with Chris Commode and Craig Tiley. Um, at the ATP Cup announcement ahead of that. So, that to come, but first of all, let's uh, let's have a look at what we've had today because it's revealed a draw which was a bit of a surprise to me, Matt. Tell tell us what the draw is. Yes, yeah, so it was a bit of a surprise. Uh, it wasn't sort of audible gasp level of surprise, but I um, it was surprising because Jeremy Chardy has come in for France. 
and he's replaced Luca Pui as the number one, and then you have Joe Wilfred Songo as the number two. So that leaves Friday's singles as Jeremy Shardy against Borna Chorich and Joe Wilfred Songa against Marin Cilic. Mm. Does that give you audible gasp levels of surprise, Catherine? Um, not far off. Not far off audible gasp levels of surprise. I mean, look, France, France has an embarrassment of riches and yet not an obvious standout they pick themselves player um a songa can be that player you know when he's when he's in form and fit but he certainly hasn't been i mean after i i I don't know what your impressions were matt you've been there what 24 hours or so i was hearing reports on tuesday that songa was a doubt because he pulled out he stopped a practice session early on tuesday complaining Mm. of pain in his back so there was a lot of speculation that um very sadly Joe Wilfred Songa wouldn't be able to play, which uh, people were already sort of talking about what a shame that would be because I think it was the 2010 Davis Cup final. He had to miss with a knee injury um, and he also missed the 2014 final or certainly missed one of the matches, missed the second, the reverse singles rubber in the, the 2014 final due to an arm injury. So it seemed like this sort of litany of issues for Songa was continuing. And yet, lo and behold, <laughs> it's poor old Luca Pui that gets left out in the cold. So yeah, given that, backdrop it it did surprise me poor old Jeremy Shardy has been a sort of slightly forgotten man certainly in singles uh, for Davis Cup and here he is he's the French number one for the final mm. Mm. I, I didn't realize he'd got a 5-1 record in Davis Cup singles so so that's I guess one of the main reasons that he has been picked is is that your sense Matt yeah indeed and Yannick Noah said in press that he's been very impressed with the way Jeremy Shardy has been sort of playing aggressively he sees the key to this tie to go out there and to sort of earn your point aggressively and he cites Jeremy Shardy as you know maybe the best attacker at the moment in the French team perhaps written sort of hidden between the lines there is is a suggestion that Luca Pui maybe is a little bit too defensive naturally um, which could be an interesting point although obviously Pui was the one last year who sort of clinched the winning point and um, he's very much been Yannick Noah's man he's been the one who's played the most matches under Yannick Noah in this third stint that that, that Noah's had as captain um, but Pui did turn up today at the press conference as the only one wearing a wearing a cap almost as though he was shielding his face and perhaps that was an early indicator of of what was going to come um, but yeah, I'm I'm with Catherine in that if if he was going to drop either of them, I was kind of expecting it to be Songa because of those reports we'd had earlier in the week. Um, but certainly, Yannick Noah seems to have a little feeling about Joe Wilfred Songa. There's I've been reading I've been reading L'Equipe, and there's been a suggestion that maybe Songa can be this year's Henri Leconte for the French, who came in in 1991 in the final and at the time was ranked 143 in the world after a year of injuries, and yet he had this big match experience, and he pushed Fabrice Santoro out of the team, who'd been the hero in the quarterfinals and the semifinals, and Leconte went on to beat Sampras, and then earn a point in the doubles alongside Guy Forget, and France won under Yannick Noah's uh, captaincy. So there's a feeling that maybe Songa can be that player again, but 
certainly there are some concerns about his form having only played you know a handful of matches really since since the start of the year yeah that's a very sorry david that's a very interesting point that one isn't it very because well what the french have is bags of talent absolutely bags of talent but you know that i i don't know why this has proven to be the case with the the recent crop of French players, but they're all a bit flaky, aren't they? That's the sort of running theme. You know, there aren't many of them that you'd want playing for your life. But I wouldn't mind having Joe Wilfred Songa, even after a year of injury, playing for my life. Whereas I perhaps wouldn't want Luca Puy doing that. Songa, you think, would be better at sort of rising to the occasion? And actually, thinking back to that 1991 um, final that you mentioned, uh, I've, I've interviewed... Yannick Noah about that in the past and I don't think I've heard a more captivating interview than Yannick Noah talking about the day that he went to visit Henri Leconte and Leconte was in bed and he could not move because of a back surgery and he he said look we need you we need you in this team if we're going to beat a team consisting of Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi in singles and and a world-class doubles team as well and and Leconte was just like a man possessed uh, thereafter, and he he made it his his one goal. And I'd say that that is the the, the highlight of Henri Leconte's entire career, and that includes w- reaching the French Open final. I, th- I think that that meant more to him, proving himself when it looked like he was finished, and beating Sampras in front of his own fans. And and look, you, you, looking at the record of of Songa this year I didn't realize how little he's played I mean I think he's played about five matches since February and he's only won mm. one because of that injury he, I mean he had six seven months out of the game because of it's a knee injury isn't it and mm. you know th- that he was very good against Milos Raonic in a first round in Paris I think it was three tie breaks and he eventually lost out but I think that that is a massive gamble I really do. I think I think it's a bigger gamble re- putting Songa in there than either of the other two. I don't know about you two. But, but it, it, maybe he's concocted Yannick Noah this back injury of Songa's to create nineteen ninety one esque circumstances. <laughs> he is that kind of a captain, isn't he? And you know, we we know, and look, we'll come on to talk about this with um, Matt's brilliant interview with uh, David Haggerty, but. We know how Yannick Noah and a lot of the French team feel about the Davis Cup reforms. I I think he is doubly motivated or triply or quadruply this year to to prove a point about the magic mm. of the Davis Cup and what's going to be lost. So <laughs> I, do, I do think he doesn't just want to win the Davis Cup and for it to be brilliant tennis. I think he wants there to be a sprinkle of something almost supernatural about mm. it. Uh, and you know maybe Song is the guy to deliver that rather than Luca Puy. Hey, look, Puy. I still think there's a really good chance that Puy will come in for the reverse singles. But you know, this is what Yannick Noah has been saying. The strength of the strength of the French team is is sort of options and having that third singles player. You know, pretty much that Chorich and Chilich are going to be playing t- uh, Friday and Sunday, but France could use Luca Puy, a fresh Luca Puy, on Sunday. Um, and it's interesting talking about Noah. Um, the the Croatian captain Zel- Zelko Krajem was saying um, how he sees sort of Shardy as almost a kind of joker in the pack of the French team, but in a in a good way, in a positive way, as the kind of surprise perhaps. But really, the sort of 
the ace that the French team hold is Yannick Noah, isn't it? Because he's trying to become the first, well, the third uh, captain to win the Davis Cup four times. He's he's already won it three times. Obviously, once just last year, and he does he does have that sort of mystic quality about him, doesn't it? It's very difficult to put your finger on exactly what it is. Um, Lequipe this week have called him the kind of indecipherable captain, and he's 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 got these velvet tones. He's he's an amazing amazing sort of communicator. And he's been, he's basically had the players on a sort of Yannick Noah retreat for a, for a few weeks. They've been doing yoga, visualisation. That sounds great. <laughs> They've been running in the park together. And I saw pictures of that. That I have to say, that looked pretty miserable. Yeah, that looked less good, didn't it? Um, if you're having to wear a woolly hat to go for a run, it's not the day to go for a run, is it? But, I, I, d- I don't know if this is something you'll get to experience, Matt, but Yannick Noah conducting the crowd singing La Marseillaise after mm. victory in that stadium that you're sitting in right now last year was something that will live with me forever um, so yeah that, that I, 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 there's no way I can adequately describe sort of the <laughs> the supernatural magic of that Yannick Noah inspired moment but um, yeah maybe we'll see it one more time I am absolutely thrilled that I appear to have one over on my two uh, fellow tennis podcast presenters here because uh, you're both French speakers and uh, in Matt's case, uh, how many languages do you speak? Uh, Well, three, well, English, French and Spanish and I sort of dabble in Catalan. Right, okay, well you don't speak Croatian. No, I didn't understand a word of that press conference. It is Jelko Krajan. Oh, right. Cryan. Okay. I also happen to know, David, that you don't speak Croatian either. Well, <laughs> you just happen to know how to pronou- <laughs> pronounce Jelko Cryan's name. I am deeply hurt, <laughs> is all I can say to that. Um, anyway, um, d- just just on Puy, though, Catherine, didn't he win the, he won the decisive rubber a year ago? So he, he, he definitely has something, doesn't he? Yeah, which is, yeah, which makes this decision all the more surprising exactly as Matt said he has been Yannick Noah's guy as much as I might say he's a little bit flaky for Yannick Noah he has stepped up um, he's been his guy and by and large he's responded to being Noah's guy so I reckon this hurts for Luca Pui mm. I hope it hurts so it sounds I like hope it, it does hurts you know because some saying. people kind of question whether he cares enough well he certainly cared in every inch that I saw of the final last year he he he, yeah cared to his core so I would expect that this hurts a lot his record is shocking this year by his standards the last two years his win-loss record on the main tour is 34 wins 22 losses in 2016 and 36 wins and 22 losses in 2017 this year he's managed 25 and 20 it's 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 been a real come down. Um, so I mean, Dimitrov esque numbers, and is. his ranking has pretty much doubled. He's gone from eighteen to thirty two, so he's really sort of fallen down the rankings. What are we looking at for the doubles uh, as things stand? Because um, they they've both got specialist it's, doubles it's, teams, haven't they? It's yeah, bad has, news for uh, old uh, Franco. Oh, yes, he currently is on the sidelines and Pierre Huguerbert and Nicolas Mau against Ivan Dodig and Mate Pavic. Hmm. 
Now, that could be a really good doubles match. But do you, do you think there's any chance that Chilich might come in at all? It's possible, isn't it? If, I mean, obviously, if I think it really depends on the uh, on the Friday singles results. If, as maybe most of us would probably expect Croatia to maybe be two 0 up, you might as well rest Chilich, I think, and give Dodik and Pavic a, a shot at Erbeer and Mau. I, mm. I think is Chilich a, a decent doubles player? He has played before, hasn't he, for for Croatia, I believe. Yeah. But over, I mean, in, in Pavic, Dodic and uh, old Franco Skugel, whose who's <laughs> name I, I have learned, um, I don't think he's that old, is he? I shouldn't be calling him old Franco Skugel. I don't think he's definitely not older than Ivan Dodig. Um, <laughs> is he older than in you? Those, in those, I'm Googling it as we speak. Uh, in those, you've you've got three really great doubles players. Um, mm. You know, genuinely really, really great doubles players. Um, and, yeah, so... I, all factors considered, I think it would be surprising, really, to see. It'd be interesting to see whether you witness Chilich doing any doubles practice, Matt. Yes, he's not at the moment. He's currently he's taking a little break, and Chorich is hitting with someone else who I don't actually recognise. Perhaps that is old Franco. I'm not sure. He did actually come in Chilich into the doubles in the first round. He didn't play in either the quarterfinals or the semis in doubles, but he did in the first round against Canada. Um, and they combined Chilich and Dodig to win six-two in the fifth against Nestor and Pospisil. That gave them uh, a two-one lead after the first two days, and then Chorich wrapped it up, beating Denis Shapovalov. So it has happened, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it looks as though Matej Pavic wasn't in the team that time. So, uh, I, I mean, he's one of the world's top doubles players, isn't he? So, I dare say he is—he's um, going to be favoured unless they, unless they really need Chilich for some reason. Mm. Um, how's um, how's Borna Chorich looking, Matt? Because uh, although on paper we haven't seen him for a little while, he was obviously at the O2 last week, and he was a lot of players' go-to hitting partner. You know, he's. He spent 10 days pretty much playing singles practice sets with the world's top eight tennis players. So I'd expect, I mean, obviously there's the the surface change to take into account, but I'd be expecting him to look pretty sharp. Yeah, he's he's certainly got his eye in, hasn't he? Um, it's interesting, the surface, probably the one thing we should mention a bit more, perhaps. Um, I always wonder with when you're choosing a surface, whether you should pick a surface to sort of amplify your own strengths or to negate the opposition i think that's always the kind of conundrum and yannick noah was basically saying how it was a little bit of both he he certainly picked clay bearing in mind that he knew chilich was going to be at the atp finals and as it happened chorich was there as an alternate as well and practicing on the hard court but also he thinks clay kind of the French players haven't really had any good results since since the clay season and Roland Garros. So he kind of wants to wants to get them back, sort of feeling those good vibes from the clay. Um, and also, he's very aware that clay is the surface that that takes the longest to sort of feel comfortable on. And the French team have been here, well, been practicing on clay for about three weeks. They've actually only been practicing on this court for a day because it hosted international rugby at the weekend so they've only been able to practice on it from yesterday um but yeah so that that i think is the biggest question mark over Chorich and chilich how well can they adapt to the clay well it's going to be fascinating 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Ting. Matt has been out there uh, for the last 24 hours, uh, as we've been talking about, and this morning he got chance to speak to the top man at the ITF, uh, Mr. David Haggerty, about whom we've been talking a lot recently in terms of the politics of the sport. We wanted to, to find out where we stand ahead of next year, and Matt started by asking him how he felt about being in Lille for the final year of the Davis Cup in its traditional format. Excited, excited to be here in in Lille because we know what a great stadium uh, and atmosphere that we're going to have for the finals between France and Croatia. Uh, France last year reigning champions in the same venue in Croatia, uh, runners up a couple of years ago and winners in uh, 2005 rather. Uh, so it's going to be exciting. Uh, we know the atmosphere will be dynamic. Um, it'll be all the things that, that we believe are important for Davis Cup. So we're very excited to see the weekend and uh, see the, the finalists come through, whoever, whoever the winner is. Indeed. Um, looking ahead to next year, obviously the competition is changing with many teams in the final 18 teams a neutral venue some wildcard nations how are you going to ensure that the new davis cup finals still feels like the davis cup so what what elements of this weekend will you be looking to replicate next year 
Well, we're about 75 days away from the first round qualifying in February. So um, exciting at this time as we look at the 12 uh, matches that will take place, the 12 ties between the 24 teams to qualify for the finals. So I think that um, you know what we continue to look at is, are the positive things that we're going to see here in in Lille, uh, pick up on on what we do well. Uh, we're excited about being in Madrid because many of the teams that'll be in the finals are from Europe, and many of the uh, teams have spectators and fans that that will travel that travel today and will travel it's a great iconic venue we have three stadiums and roofs so it, it gives us the ability to really have um, a top world-class final with 18 teams so we're excited about that uh, with the traveling fans we're going to have that atmosphere of home and away the nice thing is um, you know for the teams uh, the spectators that come they're assured of seeing their team play uh, over the first three days uh, a couple of matches matches, a minimum of two matches. So there'll be some great competition and some may want to stay and continue even if their team is, is out of the finals. And from a broadcast perspective and a streaming perspective, I think now the world will be following because of the 18 teams that will be there. There'll be a lot more interest, whereas sometimes the finals can be the two countries that are playing and, and the rest of the world isn't as aware as they will be uh, in 2019. And what have you made of the reaction to the Davis Cup vote. Obviously plenty of support, but also it'd be fair to say some criticism as well. Um, a couple of people who are involved this weekend, for example, Luca Pui, Yannick Noah, have spoken out quite strongly against it. Well, look, we respect uh, the views of, of players and what we love is the passion that the captains and the players have for the competition. That's what makes Davis Cup special. It's not just a, a tournament that you're playing. It's representing your nation. It's wearing the colors, carrying the flag. And we know that that's very important. So what's important to us to, is to ensure that the first round of qualifying has the the home and away aspect that you know one of the dnas of the competition and to demonstrate with the final in madrid that you will have that atmosphere you will be playing for your country it happens in other sports and you're not always playing at home so we think it's it's very very important change is difficult sometimes and we understand the responsibility that we have as the itf to make sure that we deliver a top class 2019 davis cup final Okay. Um, one of the main gripes, maybe, that people have with the new competition is the is its position in the calendar. Obviously, at the moment for November next year, um, lots of people have said that's not ideal. Alexander Zverev, for example, said he plans to play the qualifying in Frankfurt in February, but then to be in the Maldives in um, in November. When, thinking long term, when is the ideal position for you? Um, you've obviously created gaps in the calendar in April. Maybe there's some time after Wimbledon. Does it have to be the end of the year? Or are there other options? Well, we had a very productive meeting last week in, in London with the stakeholders, uh, you know, with the Grand Slams, with the ATP and the players talking about um, great solutions for the future. Um, I think collaboration is very, very important. Uh, having a team competition, having the Davis Cup uh, at the right time. For now, it's in November, but I think our discussions were very positive about possibilities. I mean, the issue that we have really is calendar, not just for Davis Cup, but calendar for the players and for their health and well-being so that at the end of the season, they're all firing on, on all cylinders. Uh, 
I've had many conversations in, uh, over the past 15 years uh, with stakeholders in different ways. This was by far the most positive um, meeting that we had, uh, continuing dialogue in January with this group to really step back and, and do what's what's best for tennis and collaboration. I don't know what that outcome will be, but I feel positive that, uh, that we're moving forward in a, in a constructive way. And obviously, you mentioned there those discussions with the other governing bodies. Um, at the recent ATP finals, the ATP Cup was launched. That maybe holds a couple of aces that the Davis Cup doesn't with ranking points and the first week of the calendar. Is that competition a threat in any way to the new Davis Cup, or are you confident that these discussions will perhaps see a happy ending for everyone or maybe even create a unified competition? Well, I I think the basis of our conversations that we had in London were looking at at having uh, one competition. So I think that that could be the end result a few years down the road, provided you know, conversations continue along those lines. Um, I can really speak just for Davis Cup, and I think what we're doing is just focused. We've had this plan for over a year, uh, and so we're focused on 75 days from now having um, the best uh, qualifying round uh, between 24 nations and then making sure that the Madrid final is, is fantastic. So that's that's our focus and that's our job. So... Chris Camode said it would be insane to have two team competitions. We're going that way at the moment, but what you've just said there, maybe your vision as well is to have one competition. Obviously for you it would be called the Davis Cup. Is that your vision, one team competition? Well, I, I think it might be a shared vision you know, by, by the stakeholders to have one competition that, that makes sense for, for everyone. I mean, um, the reason that we feel so passionate about Davis Cup is as the governing body, uh, the Federation for the Tennis on a Worldwide Basis, 200 nations uh, develop tennis and, uh, in their countries. And, you know, the, the benefits from Davis Cup and the, by the players playing, it gives us the resources to distribute uh, quite a bit of significant funding to the nations that can run junior tournaments that they lose money on, have pro circuit events that they're investing into the future of the players so that we're really developing the next generation of players. And that's why it's so important to us and why we believe having one competition Davis Cup would be, would be great for tennis. Okay, and just lastly, what plans do you have to reform the Fed Cup? Obviously, the women maybe have been a bit left out in all this so far with the Davis Cup reforms and the ATP Cup. What can you say about the Fed Cup? Well, we've had some very productive meetings on Fed Cup as well, and I think uh, for 2020, our Fed Cup committee and board have, have discussed the possibility of doing something similar where we would expand the size of the world group from eight teams to a minimum of 16, have a round of home and away, and then have a, a finals uh, with maybe eight teams or 12 teams in, in a location. We're looking potentially in April, the second week of a Fed Cup, where we would do that. So it's something that we have ambition for for 2020. Uh, and and so that's the project that we're working on. We have a, a way to go to you know get all those details ironed out. But that's that's what our plan is. Okay, thanks, David. Thank you for joining us on the tennis podcast, and I hope you have an excellent Davis Cup final. Thanks very much, Matt. Appreciate your time. So there's David Haggerty with uh, Matt Roberts uh, of Our Parish, the tennis podcast. Catherine, that was fascinating, wasn't it? To 
to hear Matt put such direct, blunt questions his way and, 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 and see what he said. And, and I, I was at least encouraged by the fact that he said those conversations last week were about trying to get to, to a point where we have one team competition because I know that that's, I think, what we all think we need to end up with. Yeah, absolutely. I was encouraged by what David Haggerty had to say there. He, he he referenced the you know the the best interests of tennis, which is something disappointingly we don't hear uh, mentioned uh, that often. I mean, it does make that announcement in the cinema uh, by Chris Commode uh, last week all the more bizarre. The fact is that we, you know, assuming that David Haggerty's read on on those meetings is is accurate and we have no reason to think that that it's not you know just it's all posturing it is all just striding about showing the size of your weaponry isn't it it's just it's it's <laughs> i mean it's sort of hilarious but um yeah it's it's i think it's it amazing. shows why did, why still they how just, far the, they've got to go though it does it does but but you know at least at least they're still round a table. Mm. I mean, yeah, um, unfortunately, it sounds like the table, you know, consists of a lot of blokes going, this, you know, this is how big my bow and arrow is. How big's your bow and arrow? Um, but, you know, <laughs> at least there's a table. At least there's a table. At least they're all round it. Uh, hey, Matt. I mean, that's. Uh, I imagine it's the first time you've had a chance to to interview David Haggerty. Um, the will appears to be there, uh, and actually, uh, from I, I, I'm sure the will is there on all sides. They all know, as you said. You said yourself. You quoted Chris Commode. They all know where we need to get up to. It's just that they need to figure out a way that they can all walk away feeling like they've won a bit. Yeah, it's just. It's just a shame that it feels like it's going to have to come to a situation where we have these two events for a few years before before they're able to actually do something about it. Because as, as Catherine says, the fact that they're going ahead with it all um, just makes it makes their words at the moment seem a little bit redundant for the time being. But hopefully, looking towards the future, they they are on the same page. But you know, what if? What if the Davis Cup next year doesn't turn out to be great and the ATP Cup does? Suddenly you're in a situation where, you know, the ATP Cup's in a stronger position and the Davis Cup's almost having to sort of concede something to that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do play out, but at least from what David Haggerty told me, they are sort of singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no question. Uh, and actually, just a, one other point. I mean, this uh, Davis Cup final that you're at is going to be shown on the Tennis Channel in the US. It's on numerous other channels around the world, which you can you can find out about on the Davis Cup website, and you can also stream it via the Davis Cup website itself. And the fact is, in the UK, if you want to watch this tie, that's what you've got to do. It isn't on any of the other TV channels. And I think that that is one of the big selling points about what they're trying to do next year, isn't it? The fact is, a tie between France and Croatia in France at the moment is not of sufficient interest to, to UK broadcasters, for instance, um, BBC Sport and BT Sport, I think, um, or, or certainly BBC Sport, streamed 
the British tie earlier this year, and it has done for a couple of years, but the, the final itself isn't. And I think that that's one of the big things. They can package it and say, right, this is a big jamboree for a week, and broadcasters will bid for the rights to it. Yeah, uh, and and you're right. That is sign- that's not insignificant. The the fact that it it does end up being a a, a parochial event, doesn't it? You know, to to the countries involved, it is it's immense. But uh, I don't know all your experiences, Matt. But there were very few international media present at, at last year's final. I, I am I was intrigued and slightly concerned. Although I hope I'm wrong to be concerned. Um, by what uh, David Haggerty had to say about um, he's obviously got a lot of chips riding on the assumption that international fans are going to travel to Madrid mm-hmm. next year. I found that quite interesting, you know, the fact that Madrid was, was one of the, the countries considered because it's in Europe and uh, a, a lot of the front-running uh, tennis nations in the world right now are European you know, we need. There was acknowledgement that they need the fans to show up to to make it work, and there's the assumption, or certainly something more than hope, that the the international fans will travel to Madrid next year for that Davis Cup final. I they might, they might. I'm not saying they won't, but I don't quite share the <laughs> the confidence that David Haggerty has, mm. or sounded like he had, that that will be the case at the moment. Yeah, I think they're more likely to travel to Madrid than they are three different cities in Australia for the ATP Cup. I think that's something that the ATP Cup might find is a bit of a sort of sort of negative of of their competition. I mean, there's just not surely there's just not going to be that many sort of fans of all the countries there. Um, but it's it's basically a, a sort of trade off, isn't it? Trying to get the best of what the Davis Cup currently is and trying to combine it with this vision of a sort of kind of World Cup of tennis over one week with the broadcasters there and of greater interest. And I'm not sure either solution is quite there yet, but maybe in time they'll come together and and they will find the sort of perfect harmony, if you like. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Right then, let's get the predictions in. Uh, who's it going to be, France or Croatia, Catherine? Oh, I didn't know we were going to do predictions. Well, you find um, out now. This is a difficult one because uh, Head definitely looks at the team sheet and says Croatia. But since we've started talking about Yannick Noah in 1991, <laughs> um, I, I'm considering doing something silly. Um, but will I do something silly? Why do I have to go first? What do you um, want to go with, Matt? Matt? What does What does Matt think? <laughs> do you want to know what uh, Paul Holt thinks? No, I want to know what Matt thinks. <laughs> okay, go on, Matt. I think Croatia. I think I think they'll win both singles tomorrow, and then probably lose the doubles and wrap it up on Sunday. Would be my prediction. I'd go with the same, actually. Yeah, my head says the same, but you just wouldn't—you wouldn't be that surprised if Yannick Noah pulls out something weird. But 
Um, go on then. I'll go for Croatia as well. Right. Uh, and, well, 76% think that Croatia will beat France uh, on the poll vote so far, although there is 23 hours still to vote. Uh, and it, what about the uh, so the, the singles rubbers? I think we, we both, we all think that, that the Croatian players will win. And uh, 89% think Chorich will beat Shadi, and 79% think that Cilic will beat Songa. So, uh, yeah, it looks like we're all in agreement. But this is the yeah. Davis Cup and it can be magical. I mean, maybe ask me, ask me again tomorrow when this stadium is full of 25,000 Frenchmen and yeah. I might have a different view. But at the moment, I'm, it feels on paper like a bit of a mismatch, to be honest. But mm. as we know, the Davis Cup can, can throw up some funny things. OK, well, uh, let's just end by asking you who you think won between me and Solihull Simon today. Uh, well, given that you've raised it, <laughs> yeah, I'm leaning towards you, right, Catherine? Yeah, by 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 Matt's logic and the tone in your voice, which I'm so very familiar with, David, I think that you beat Solly Hull Simon. Well, I'm delighted to say, after 13 straight sets of defeat, <laughs> I did win today. I won 3-6, love four, retired. This has been the Tennis Podcast, <laughs> brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Uh, executive produced by Melanie Bowes, triple S, tennisballs.com. Uh, sponsor is La Manga Club. And uh, we have a mascot who is Charlie the Ferret. We'll be back with Davis Cup day one, reviewing all of that uh, tomorrow. See you then. 